Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-step destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I am so excited for you to listen to my interview today with Carrie Forrest. It's going to be a lot of really interesting information about PCOS and her story overcoming PCOS and putting it into remission. So I'm super excited for you guys to listen, and I hope you enjoy. So today I have Carrie Forrest on the show. Carrie and I met a few months ago, I think on Instagram, and then we went through a mastermind together. And I thought she was just the perfect person to interview for my podcast. So Carrie Forrest is the creator of the blog Clean Eating Kitchen, where she shares gluten-free and dairy-free recipes and tips. She also hosts the podcast Clean Eating for Women. Carrie has a master's degree in business and public health nutrition. But most importantly, she's used real food diet to recover from and manage multiple health conditions, including PCOS, chronic migraines, anxiety, autoimmune disease, and cancer. So welcome, Carrie. I'm so honored and excited to have you on here today. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I forgot that we met on Instagram first. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't know. It's been at least, maybe it's been a year, actually. But um, yeah, we've been in contact through there and then we just got to know each other a lot more through the mastermind and I just thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about PCOS with. Um, so yeah, I definitely had to have you on here. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been really neat to see your business develop and I'm excited to see where it takes you. Thank you. Likewise, I love your podcast so much. I've learned so much there and um, I'm excited to talk about PCOS today. Yes, I know, right? And I think it's um, it's interesting because I don't always get to talk about PCOS, but all my recipes are gluten-free and dairy-free, and that's really because of the PCOS, and that's like a big part of how I manage it. But for women without PCOS or people who come to my blog, they're kind of like, why gluten-free and dairy-free? But yeah, it really, for me, it comes back to that diagnosis and and just managing it right and dairy-free gluten-free is obviously also another factor with uh, lots of autoimmune diseases and just like clean eating in general because i think it's a lot more people are becoming sensitive to it not just like allergies but sensitivities with our gut health being compromised and all that so yeah i think it's great that you're accommodating obviously pcos friendly recipes, but also just general health and just using whole foods in general. That's just amazing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It seems like real food has gotten um, so much more popular, which is kind of crazy because it's just like the basics almost. Yeah. But yeah, I know. I, I just, um, but I definitely have a, like a special place in my heart for um, women who have PCOS and um, it's just, I feel like food and like exercise and lifestyle and supplements, it, it can be managed. And so there's really um, a lot of, a lot of hope that I think women should have. Oh, for sure. I think that's really great that you brought that up because um, as you said, it's a lot of nutrition, lifestyle supplements, but it's also the mindset. Like for me, um, I had, I hit a plateau for a long time because there was a lot of emotional blockages and mindset things that were sabotaging me. And yeah, if you don't have the mindset, right, if you don't believe you can heal, then I don't think, um, it's going to be a rough journey, right? So especially having a support system and having the mindset is another really important aspect of healing PCOS. And even any other health condition. Yeah, totally. I could not agree more. So I basically just said a little bit about you, but I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself and let us know how you got started on this journey. Yeah, so I mean, I've had um, PCOS since I was like 10 or 11 years old, and it really coincided with um, like a family trauma. Um, my dad had a bankruptcy and it wasn't just like, a, oh, my business went bankrupt. I'm going to start something new. It was like 
my business went bankrupt and um, we lost our home and like had to sell all of our things. And like my sister and I moved in with relatives for a while. So it was just a like super, super traumatic. And I think maybe like when I kind of trace back my PCOS, especially like, because I was, as I mentioned, I was like 10 or 11. So it was like almost like on the cusp of, of puberty, like just really early stages. And um, because I had so much anxiety and fear during that time. And like I was, um, my sister was younger than me. So I kind of felt like I had to take care of her. Um, I mean, my parents were just like so stressed out. Um, but I really think like that was maybe the start of pretty much like all my health problems. Um, I mean, the symptoms very clearly indicated PCOS, although, I mean, I did not really even hear about that condition or really like even have a diagnosis until like decades later. Um, but just like looking back on it, that's what was happening for me. And I mean, there were like other things because I was so stressed out, I turned to sugar. Um, so my diet changed around that time as well. I just, I was using food for comfort, um, you know, just like having a lot of stress. Um, so not eating well, I'm sure like my sleep was compromised even like I'm sure like my gut health changed since I was just like binging on sugar basically to manage my emotions. Um, but I mean, that just wasn't a nice way to start, um, you know, my life. I mean, like the adolescent, my adolescent life and um, the PCOS just really continued. Um, for me, it was, I'm sure there was like, some insulin resistance happening, but it was just more like um, an imbalance of hormones. So I actually never really got like a normal menstrual cycle. Um, so that was a symptom of my PCOS, just a lot of irregularity. Um, and um, I just, I didn't, as I mentioned, I didn't even know what it was happening until, I mean, I was like, it was decades later and then my sister, you know, kind of like fast forward. Um, and I ended up taking hormonal birth control like to manage my cycle. So, um, but then later my sister ended up being diagnosed with PCOS. So that's how it like first came on my radar. But then there were all like other conditions that are associated with PCOS, like thyroid issues and eating disorders and, um, those kinds of things were also a big part of my journey. But again, like I think it kind of all stemmed back to that, that really like pivotal time um, around that age when, you know, maybe I had a genetic propensity towards PCOS. I don't know, but since my sister had it, maybe that was there, but it was like all these other factors happened. And then, um, you know, then I had all those symptoms. Wow, yeah, I definitely can relate to um, having a sort of trigger, especially emotional. Mm -hmm. I've definitely kind of seen a pattern like that, um, and it does make sense. Um, a lot of women kind of see that there's something's going on, but it's not. there's not really major symptoms coming up until there's like a trigger. For me, I had an emotional trigger too, and that's when everything just kind of exploded. So I definitely see that as a common trigger with PCOS, especially emotional. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah. And then with the eating disorders too, definitely went through something like that. Um, and I also think it comes into play with the emotional aspect. A lot of women think that being moody or having depression has nothing to do with PCOS. So they go see other doctors and specialists, but it's all connected, of course, right? Totally. And then, I mean, like, I know when I started hormonal birth control then to manage my PCOS because I didn't know like there were, you know, natural ways. I just did what the doctor told me. Um, then I had like all these horrible side effects from the hormonal birth control pill, um, like panic attacks and um, chronic anxiety, which I never even connected to the pill. And I was on it for 15 years. 
um, and, and migraines, that was the other big one. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, it's, I think a lot of it is about like learning about our bodies. And like you said, um, like you don't necessarily connect depression or mood disorders with PCOS, but like when we learn about how complex and like amazing our bodies are, then um, we can kind of see how it, it really is all connected. Oh, for sure. It's the holistic health, right? Everything is connected. Um, and it's not just putting a Band-Aid or something or just targeting a symptom. Um, so you were basically given the birth control to manage PCOS. I guess you were given, did you get an ultrasound and like an official diagnosis? Not until later. And I think that wasn't even until um, like I came off birth control. And then, of course, like you like if you read about PCOS, you know, and you like, especially um, like uh, learning about managing PCOS naturally, you read about how like, if you come, if you go on birth control, it can help manage some symptoms. But then when you come off, those symptoms just come back. So that's what happened for me. And then, um, yeah, so I did have like, so then I just had really irregular cycles again. And so I did have an ultrasound and found like the, um, like the definitely like a lot of, um, what is it? I guess they call the them pearl. follicles. Yeah. 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 The string of pearls. Exactly. Yeah. And then fine. And then finally, you know, finally I started eating a real food diet and managing my stress. And then, um, my, I couldn't believe it. You know, my body healed. And I had a regular cycle. I do have a regular cycle. And there's no evidence of, um, of PCOS anymore. I mean, I know if I stop doing all the, the good things that I'm doing for my body now, it would definitely come back. I have no doubt. Um, I mean, even like if I travel for a few weeks and I'm under more stress than normal, like my cycle will, will get like all wonky. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's incredible that I, I could not believe that after like decades of my body, like my hormones being all messed up and not having a regular cycle, I couldn't believe it that it actually worked, that I, my body could heal itself. It's like, it felt like a miracle to me. Yeah, it's crazy. And we tend to think that like our bodies hate us if we have all of these problems and that like it's the enemy, but your body loves you. It wants you to heal. It can heal naturally. So yeah, I love that. And I'm wondering, where did you find the inspiration or the tools or the information to go on this journey? Like when did it hit you? There was some other way to manage it. You know, it almost happened by accident because I was I first, my first step was just realizing the connection between food and health. It wasn't necessarily like food and hormones or food and PCOS. It was just more like, cause like the symptoms were the problem, right? Like, so for me, it was like the migraines and the anxiety, um, panic attacks, of course. Oh my God. Like talk about, you know, like debilitating panic attacks are, um, I guess between panic attacks and migraines, I just really can't imagine um, a worse way to live. It's, you know, so debilitating, those symptoms. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of women suffer really debilitating symptoms um, like those two. Um, but again, it was just like, for me, I was more um, like eating real food and getting away from like processed foods and being addicted to sugar. Um, that was really the first step. And then I started to learn more, but I was kind of like already in it, but there were some really, um, helpful specific tools. Once I like realized that I could really target my hormones, like I could really heal my hormones. I was already eating, um, a real food diet. And I think I'd even gone dairy free and gluten free, um, because of other symptoms. Again, like I had, I started getting chronic hives whenever I would eat gluten. So that prompted the gluten-free. And then I had started listening to the 
um, PCOS Diva podcast. And that might've yep. been where I first heard about the, like the dairy free and like the connection with um, dairy, maybe making insulin go up. And then because of the higher insulin that that could be causing hormone issues. Um, so that PCOS Diva podcast is really helpful. And then there's a book called um, The Period Repair Manual. By Love Lark. that book. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Me too. And that book is like almost, I swear I've read it three times at least. And it's yeah. all <laughs> highlighted. And yeah, it's amazing. Not just for PCOS, but just like a whole um, woman's, um, you know, hormonal life cycle. I just think that book is amazing. And I also love it because it, it has so much hope and um, like an empower, an empowering mindset that it's not like fear-based, like, oh, if you have PCOS, you know, you're going to have be at risk for all these things. It's really just so hopeful and positive. So I really, really, I always recommend that book. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think it's also really good to note that um, these are all like functional doctors and like naturopaths and all of that. And it's really just kind of, kind of surrounding yourself with people, whether it be your doctor or friends, family, support groups, whatever, that actually, like I said, believe in healing and that you can actually heal instead of just saying like, I know there's lots of people who just say like, it's incurable, there's nothing you can do. And especially if you just get diagnosed and you already feel pretty crappy, to have somebody say that to you who's taking care of you isn't empowering and it just makes you turn on your body, right? So yeah, definitely reading things like that too. It's just amazing to see that other people have healed using these modalities and that you can definitely heal too. And it's just, yeah, so empowering. Yeah, um, I have a, a thing I do like almost every day I try to... Like I try to have a mantra for healing um, because I do agree like that is such a big, like it can be a, a big obstacle to really believe that you're healing. So if you can find something to write down or repeat to yourself um, or just read like some kind of a mantra. Um, I have one that's kind of silly. Um, it's um, let's see, I'm healing every, or I'm getting better. Like, Every in every way, let's see, every day in every way, a little bit in every every day in every way, something like that. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah, just something simple. Um, but I just really think that's that's important. Or finding, uh, like you said, a doctor or a book or anything that has this this mindset that um, our bodies, like I read somewhere that like every cell or every part of our body, like is made. For healing and so I try to remember that too oh yeah I 100% agree I'm also obsessed with mantras and affirmations and I've started to use it for my body too and I've definitely seen a change in my skin since then oh. so I used to kind of think it was like okay whatever this is you know woo woo but um no I'm totally into it and I, and I see the change so and then it's also making your subconscious mind believe it which is your belief system and that goes it basically nourishes like every cell in your body right it's your body is listening to what you say what you think so it's definitely more powerful than we think so I love that you brought that up and I was also wondering I do get this as a question a lot not sure if you have any um, experience with this but since you've obviously had PCOS and you dealt with doctors um, what would you say, have you dealt with any doctors that were like really closed-minded for you going off the birth control or going into more natural remedies or things like that? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, not so much going off birth control because I'd been on it so long and that's when the um, there some papers started to come out that showed that some of the birth control, hormonal birth control is linked to like a higher um, stroke risk. And so um, I, I didn't get a lot of pushback on that. But then when my cycle um, became very regular again, after I went off hormonal birth control, then like the recommendation from like my regular you know, quote unquote doctor was to just go back on it again. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, a big part of my healing has been finding, um, I, I ended up finding a functional medicine physician and that was like, that's when I went from like making baby steps in recovering my health to making like strides. Right. Yeah. I think that's a big thing too, because um, a lot of women say that they, they see their normal doctor and that some of them are really resistant or they don't believe that they can do this or that, or that like diet even has anything to do with it. So yeah, I definitely think that there are ways that you can work with your, with your general practitioner. But then at one point, um, I think to be able to really make strides, like you say, um, it's important to be able to find someone who has experience with it and who can like do the right testing and like even provide you with um, different supplements or herbs that you can try. Um, yeah. And I think that being able to be proactive in your health as well by yourself is really important, but then there is a point where you do need some support. Um, everybody does need it um, in different ways, but yeah, that's definitely one of the struggles that I've heard a lot of women go through. I've gone through it as well. So it's definitely something having a, a good support is definitely important. And I think even having like the information in that period repair manual, I think like once you're familiar with that information, cause like, like it's our bodies, right? And, but if we don't know how our bodies work, um, then it's easy for like a doctor because like they're supposed to know more. And so then if they kind of like throw a bunch of information in your face and you don't know kind of like, you know, you don't have as much information, then it's really hard to like, not, I don't want to say stand up to them because it shouldn't be like adversarial, but it can feel like that. But if like, it's in a way it's our responsibility to know, like to like, we kind of have to educate ourselves in other words. And then it can be where, our doctors can be, you know, even if it's not like a functional medicine or naturopathic doctor, at least they can feel more like a partner and not like you, you know, they're talking and it's just like, you can't even listen to what they're saying because it's so different than what you believe. But again, like, I think if we like empower ourselves and educate ourselves like with some of these books or whatever, you know, source, then it just like, you know, it just really increases your own power and confidence um so i i think it's really important and it, it, i think it, that is empowering in and of itself like we you know we can do that for ourselves the information is here oh 100 percent. yeah being educated is so important and you actually understand what's going on in your body like for instance if we just say everybody knows sugar is bad but like why is it bad what is it doing what is it doing to us with pcos how is that affecting our fertility etc um, so then when you actually see the mechanism behind it, it's so much more empowering. And then like you said as well, if you have somebody saying something to you, saying something to you, but in your gut, you feel like it's not right, but you don't really know how to talk back or really, you know, defend yourself or actually kind of start a conversation around it, then yeah, it can be really hard to kind of look for something else, another route. Um, yeah. And then for me, a lot for a long time I was um, seeing just a general practitioner but um, it's probably the same in the states but in Canada you just have like five 15 minutes max with them mm -hmm. and you don't really have a lot of time to talk about um, a lot of things just maybe one or two problems and then you have to leave because they don't have time whereas with functional doctors it's nice that you have usually about an hour at least half an hour and they can really go through everything they go through your health history and what's really going on they dig through the root causes so they have a lot more time to actually look at you as a whole individual and see what's going on instead of just kind of giving you a band-aid for whatever symptom you have right yeah totally and so you said that lots of your symptoms were mainly around like migraines and then um anxiety and panic attacks what other symptoms did you see with pcos so irregular cycles as well definitely so i i guess um you know i don't know what you're thinking is Lawrence, about pcos the way i've heard about is there's like a few different types and actually like different books i've read have kind of explained it differently um i don't think i had like the traditional 
type. Um, my weight wasn't ever like the first symptom. Um, I was overweight. It was really, really, I think some of that had to do with my thyroid issues as well. Um, which, and I know like there are been some connections made between thyroid problems and PCOS. Um, but, um, my main symptoms when it came like to my hormones was that I just didn't have a, um, a regular cycle. So I would go like for a year without having a period. Um, so that was like my main symptom with PCOS, I think. And then you had the cysts on the ultrasound, but yeah, I know there, there are different types and then the phenotypes and then if it's like pill induced or insulin resistant, um, things like that. So it can get a little bit confusing, but it's definitely, usually you kind of look at the picture like the cyst and then um, no period. And then usually like the cystic acne, um, hirsutism, hair loss, all of that. But people are really different too. And then there's the lean PCOS, um, and then lots of people who are more overweight and then obviously the emotional components. So like brain fog and then focus, depression, anxiety, all of that. So there are a lot of different symptoms that do come up and they're not, it's not always going to be black and white. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's good for, for women to know, like you don't have to fit into, I mean, there's just so many symptoms that, um, could be related to PCOS and then they can overlap like with thyroid issues or right, like gut issues, gut health issues. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I guess if you get a diagnosis of PCOS in a way, any diagnosis is like a relief in some way, like you get validation that, you know, you're, it's not all in your head. Um, but then it kind of brings up a whole nother set of issues, which is like, then how do you treat it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's, like I said, too, like pill induced and then the insulin resistant is a big one, inflammation, then the androgens, all of that. Um, yeah. So for you, your first steps, like you mentioned, were going more whole food based and then taking out the gluten and dairy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like what you said about if you know, um, like what food is doing to your body, then it makes it easier, you know, like to stick with a, you know, like a diet, I guess, or a nutritional approach. So um, I did go gluten free because I was having those skin issues that cleared up when I went gluten free and then the dairy free. Um, but I've also done um, like food sensitivity testing and that also helped me um which you can also do through an elimination diet but i show like my immune system has reactivity to dairy um especially like definitely dairy mm -hmm. um so knowing about my individual sensitivities um helps me kind of like just, I just find other alternatives that I, that work for me. And so it's, for me, it's not really that hard to like have a good nutritional approach and like, it's not about being perfect. Um, but it's like finding what works for me and like kind of fits in with what like naturopathic doctors and functional doctors recommend for, um, especially PCOS, which usually I usually see like the gluten-free, the dairy-free and um, like low in sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are definitely the top three that usually are problematic. Um, yeah, so how did you, did you just kind of, so you said you did the food sensitivity, so then it was obviously, you know, confirmed. So then you decided to cut these foods out. How was that experience for you? Because I know a lot of people have a lot of resistance, like they say, you can never take my cheese away from me or things like that. Um, yeah. So it can be really hard at first. But how did you navigate that when you found out that you had to cut out these foods? Um, yeah, I would say the dairy-free, going dairy-free was the hardest. And it still is because dairy is like it's such a great source of protein. And so I get frustrated. And I'm also sensitive to eggs, actually. So... Um, that means I really have to rely on um, 
I, I and then I can't read I'm actually also sensitive to beans so and mm-hmm. soy so I really I really have to rely on animal protein and I tried going vegan for a few years and that worked for a little bit because um, vegan is dairy free and egg free um, but then like I had to rely a lot on soy protein and beans and those two sources didn't work for me. And so actually my blood sugar felt like it varied more on a vegan diet because I didn't have, for me, like a really reliable source of protein, you know, like beef, chicken, um, you know, a lot of, most people can do eggs, but I can't. So I have to rely now on like collagen protein and just basic animal protein. Right, yeah, and I do think that, you can go through different phases, like for instance, going vegan, like that can work for a bit, but then it's not going to work forever for everybody, right? So it's really listening to how your body feels, like people who've been vegan for years and then they said they have the most intense craving for meat and their body just telling them that they needed it and just respecting that. Um, Yeah, so I definitely think that's important too. And then obviously when you have food sensitivities like you, it's important to be able to get the right macronutrients and micronutrients um so that you're you know really supporting yourself properly um yeah and i definitely saw like see your recipes come out all the time which look amazing so did you just start experimenting in the kitchen and then it just got easier did you get like lots of books or did you did you do like training or like take you did you take classes um so that when I started getting interested in cooking and like eating real food I I knew nothing about cooking like seriously I was married and I didn't even know how to boil water like I'm not even kidding (laughs) I've never done it before I never cooked I ate out of boxes and cans Wow, that's really um, hard to believe when I see the stuff you're you're putting out there I know but then when I think about like all the, you know, the, the health issues I've had, you know, when I think back to just, I, I mean, like I never ate green vegetables ever. <laughs> um, and I, I, if I tried, I actually hated them. So, and I still don't love the taste of vegetables. So I do have to be a little bit creative. Um, but when I, what I was going to say, when I started getting interested in cooking, that's when blogging started to get popular and Instagram. So I just got really inspired by what other people were making and, you know, things like I never thought about making like a smoothie with spinach or, um, like there's a trend I see now of like making a toast out of a sweet potato cut kind of thinly on lengthwise and you put it. I bake it usually. I've seen people put it in a toaster. Um, But like making a little bread out of a slice of sweet potato, I never, ever, ever would have thought to do things like that. Um, Yeah, that was funny when the trend came out. I I tried it. I don't think I I did it right, but I was definitely like super excited when I saw the (laughs) sweet potato toast come out. I know. Yeah, for me, I feel like um, it needs to be baked for like 45 minutes and maybe turning it over um otherwise yeah like you don't want it to be crunchy it should be it should be nicely cooked through yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a strategy for it um but yeah I feel like it's gotten a lot easier so um you asked me about like how hard was it to go gluten-free and dairy-free and yeah. um recently I feel like gosh in like the last two years it's been it's become so much easier um, because there's so many delicious options um, that you can find just really almost anywhere. Um, and then, yeah, like I don't, I st- I don't love like I mentioned, I don't love vegetables, but I know they're important to eat. And I actually don't love cooking. Um, hmm. I like eating, but <laughs> I don't love like I don't want to make a really complicated recipe. So um, I kind of try to make the recipes that I share like have an, a theme of like easy or you know like five ingredients I mean I don't I don't know that's about like the most I can handle I get overwhelmed so um, I get really excited when I make something with 
three or four ingredients and it actually tastes good. So um, I don't know, other people seem to like maybe fancier flavors and stuff, but I just like to stick with really basic, basic recipes with as few ingredients as possible. I completely agree. I'm trying to stick to like five ingredient recipes because yeah, when I see the long list, I'm like, Oh no, I just know. And I just also think that I want to make um, food more accessible and affordable to people. So when you have like a dish that includes like 30 ingredients, it's not really easy or affordable either. Um, and yeah, for me, I get so overwhelmed too. So when I see like the simple recipes, it's just, so much easier and less stressful and I also don't really follow recipes I just wing it too so yeah I'm not I'm just sometimes I can spend like a whole afternoon in the kitchen and sometimes I literally just want to order takeout I just don't have patience for it but yeah, yeah I totally get it making it simple especially if you're starting out is the best way to do it and to not be like overwhelmed yeah and I think the budget um topic is really important too and so I try to, because I mentioned like I have to rely on animal protein a lot now since I don't do um, eggs or beans or like a lot of uh, like even like pea protein powder, I had a sensitivity to, but um, the point is that like with fewer ingredients than like buying the meat, then I can buy organic or pasture raised um, so I can, and yeah, like a, a dish with three or four ingredients so the budget doesn't get spread out as much and then um, I think buying like organic and um, like the wild caught or pasture raised or grass-fed meats like to me that's the most uh, like that's the best quality and I think that's really important. Oh yeah, I love how you mentioned that, especially animal products, 100% always organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised. I think that if you need to kind of tighten the budget in other areas to be able to afford that, I think it's really important for your health. And then other things like the Clean 15, Dirty Dozen list, things like that, you can kind of um, look into to help with the budget as well. And then like coupons and just meal planning as well is huge so that you have the, the week already planned out and that you're not constantly getting new groceries and you can just kind of spread it out. Um, those are really good ways to kind of keep the budget down too because it can be really daunting when people look at the price of like organic food compared to just buying something like in a can at Walmart that's already made. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's definitely another factor to look into as well. Yeah, and um, my husband loves Walmart. I don't, <laughs> it's like he has this penny pinching side to him so he just loves going in there and finding deals um so I don't always go with him but when I go with him I I love um trying to find um things that will work like really like trying to see how they're responding to you know like the consumer demand for organic which it's funny because when we were there last time we asked um one of the guys who was working there we were like do you have um an, a section with organic I think we asked for organic vegetables and he literally he goes um what's organic oh no so, yeah because <laughs> I think I think they're getting on board though on the organic yeah. <laughs> I think maybe they just need to educate their their um workers but yeah. <laughs> but yeah you can find stuff and I looked for gluten-free items once and I found like 50, at least 15 to 20. Now they weren't all healthy, but they were like, there were some pretty good products there. Um, I haven't, I haven't done like an organic search, um, like organic real food. Um, like I should look the next time I'm there for that, but it's definitely gotten easier and, um, yeah, I think buying frozen items is, a good trick too. I mean, frozen is completely different from boxed or canned. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not to say like you can't eat anything that like everything in a box or a can is unhealthy. Like to me, it's just about like, how much has it been processed and what does the label say? Um, you know, are there chemicals listed on the label? Like that is like a sign, like that's going to be like a processed food or 
I don't know. I, I just, I've eaten so many chemicals during my life and I've suffered the consequences that I just try not to eat chemicals anymore. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I got to stay away from that, especially with hormonal disorders and PCOS. We're already getting enough chemicals as it is just by breathing and et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to minimize it where you can. So like food, beauty products and all of that is huge. Um, yeah. And I just liked how you talked about Walmart because I mean, you don't have to go to Whole Foods to be able to eat well, right? Like you can we kind of shop at different strategic places where we know that our, for instance, we, what we do a lot is there's a grocery store near us and um, lots of whole organic foods. And when they have foods that are like imperfect or going bad, it's literally like 50 cents for like a box of vegetables or fruits. So it can be really cheap and then you can just eat that right away. So yeah, there are definitely ways to save on that. And um, I actually found um, organic quinoa in a dollar store once. So I was really confused by that, but it's just to say that everybody's starting to get on board. Um, you obviously want to be careful with the sourcing and everything, but it's just nice that there's a movement that people are starting to get more conscious. Yeah, totally. It just makes it so much easier. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you don't have to like go to a Whole Foods to be able to just buy like some good veggies or whatever. You can, you can find it wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that your nutritional approach personally for PCOS was removing the sensitivities, obviously, so these can be different for each person. And then would you say it would be to avoid dairy, gluten, and sugar for pretty much everybody? Um, I mean, that's, to me, that's the theme that I see. Um, I think, like, you know, you can get even more specific for depending on what kind of PCOS you have. Like if you have um, insulin sensitivity or I guess insensitivity, insulin resistance, that's yeah. the word. Um, then I think uh, like you can get even more specific. And I haven't noticed that with myself. So I do try to go like a little bit lower carb for lunch and then I'll have more, more um, like starchy foods with dinner because I noticed that helped me sleep better. And that was one of the pieces of advice I read in the period repair manual mm -hmm. um, to help with sleep. And that's actually worked for me really, really well um, because like having starch in the evening, like a baked potato or rice, um, it, it um, provides, it makes that you have like a reserve of glucose through the night and so um, I find that I just sleep more soundly I don't wake up as often um, but because I know that I have PCOS I try not to like I don't have rice with lunch and dinner I'll maybe um, skip it with lunch and just have it with dinner like with the intention that it will knowing that it will help me sleep better yeah I definitely heard that as well I kind of I've been kind of playing around with my diet too um, but I feel like for now, I kind of have the more veggies and like starch or grain um, at lunch. And then at night, I usually have a paleo because I've noticed that well, at night, especially since I would live with my family, it's usually meat for dinner. But I've noticed that I can't really digest starch or grains with meats. So that's why I do that. But yeah, I definitely have read that. And it's really interesting to kind of experiment with that because some women do really good on that. Um, and then I was just wondering, what is your take on like the different diets for like PCOS? So people say to go on vegan diets, like the keto diet is huge right now. Have you ever tried keto? I did. And I did horribly on it. Um, like from day one, I couldn't sleep because my carbs were so low. And then when I read that stuff, like I mentioned in the period repair manual, how like women, like, especially me, like I know my hormones are really, really sensitive. So if I feel like I'm hungry, um, or my blood sugar is irregular, then I can't sleep. I'll wake up at 2am and just be wide awake. Um, so, and also for me, keto didn't work because the ketones fed the bad bacteria in my system like we all have kind of like a balance of good bacteria and bad bacteria and the bad bacteria um, flourish because ketones can feed bad bacteria and so I had more 
gut issues when I tried um, a ketogenic diet. So I know some women, especially with like pre-diabetes or diabetes, can do amazing on keto. Um, for me, I did horribly. So I that's why like I don't do like a low carb thing um, all day long. Um, I think like I just because I had an eating disorder, also I just try to stay away from really strict diets and labels. Um, I named my approach clean eating, but it's meant to be flexible and it's it's not meant to Im imply like good or bad, like clean versus dirty. It's just more more like healthy real food. Um, but I think it's all, it's almost like a modified paleo approach, but without like that, you know, everything that paleo brings along with it, um, good or bad. I think whole 30 can be amazing for people, but like for me, it's too restrictive and I don't want a whole set of rules. Um, like gluten-free and dairy-free, I understand it. Like I understand how it impacts my body. And so I just feel, I've gotten really used to eating this way and I do feel better. So it doesn't feel like rules-based or restrictive. It just feels like this is the way I choose to eat because it makes me feel better. Um, and I mean, that just seems to work for me. Yeah, I completely love what you just said, especially getting a different viewpoint on keto too, because I think a lot of women are just desperate to find a solution to PCOS. So they see keto. I mean, like you said, it definitely can work for some women. I think mainly for like a short term though, not really long term, especially with the thyroid issues. And then you want to be getting enough carbs, especially as um, a woman, because for hormonal balance and all of that, it's really important. But um, I definitely agree. I was actually thinking of doing keto at one point, but like you, I have a history of disordered eating. So already going gluten-free, dairy-free, and egg-free, um, it would just be way too restrictive and that would not be okay for me. So I don't think I can do the, the diet either, like a specific diet, it's just too much. So I definitely believe in that. Like some days I'll be vegan, the next day I'll have like, yeah, paleo dinner and just like a, a veggie lunch. So it just depends on what my day looks like. And I try not to get too restrictive because, because then it just becomes unhealthy for my mind, basically. Mm. So yeah. yeah, I definitely like that. Um, yeah. And there's like a few other issues with keto, like with, um, you mentioned that thyroid. I think that's a huge one that women especially should be careful with because women um, have like Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disease. Like 75% of women have Hashimoto's um, versus men. And I think um, there's like an epidemic of women being underdiagnosed with thyroid issues, whether it's Hashimoto's or just, which is when your body is attacking the thyroid or just underactive thyroid, which, um, has been shown to happen in a low carb environment. Um, and so like I had many, many years when I was having thyroid issues and the way it, I noticed it is like, I would get really cold um, hands and feet. And, but the big one was that I could not lose weight no matter like no matter what I did, it was impossible. And that's not normal. And I think um, like that gets brushed off by maybe doctors or just women think that losing weight is really, really hard, but it really shouldn't be. Like if your thyroid is working, um, uh, like for instance, um, like I ended up having thyroid cancer, so I had to have my whole thyroid removed and then I have to take thyroid hormone now. And so now that my thyroid is optimized, um, like I, I know now how the body is supposed to respond. Like if I try to lose weight, I will lose weight. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm trying to or whatever, but like if you can't lose weight and you have any of those other symptoms like fatigue or cold hands and your hair, changes like hair loss that kind of thing or brittle brittle nails 
um, like that's a pretty clear thyroid issue sign and um, like taking thyroid hormone is not an admission of defeat but like it you can feel so much better if you're if your thyroid's underactive and you you know take take the medication like for me that's one of those situations where it's like it's not an admission of defeat if your thyroid is damaged because it's unlikely that it's going to be able to repair itself and why not like feel better and feel like yourself um even if it means you have to take medication Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's, there's a huge epidemic of thyroid problems out there. Even me, I've been dealing with thyroid problems for like many years and my mom had Hashimoto's too. So that was a big deal. And yeah, I think like you said as well for the weight loss, it's definitely a symptom that something's not balanced in the body. Your body always is trying to maintain homeostasis and maintain your ideal weight. So if you're really having a hard time, then it definitely means that there's something going on. And yeah, a lot of the time it definitely can be the thyroid. And that also is very common with PCOS to have thyroid issues too. Yeah, I know. And um, also like if you just go to your regular doctor and they say your thyroid's fine, um, it's not enough uh, just to have your doctor tell you that. Like you need to get a copy of your blood results. You need to make sure that your doctor has tested like the full panel and not just your TSH. Like that's not the way to tell that your thyroid is working. So, um, you know, for anyone listening, I would encourage you, you know, we talked about like learning about how our bodies work, but I think also learning about the thyroid can be life changing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that about the the tests and just people saying that, oh yeah, your TSH is fine. You want to get the whole panel and then the antibodies as well to see if there's any autoimmune activity, if the thyroid's being attacked or if there's any possibility for Hashimoto's. Um, yeah, so the full thyroid panel is definitely something really important because you want to rule it out entirely. And just the one TSH is not going to tell you how the whole thyroid is functioning, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely love it. Um, and we are getting to the end of the podcast, but I just wanted to ask you if there's any top supplements, of course, that I just want to say that with PCOS or any condition, nutrition is definitely the foundation. But I think that with PCOS, um, especially during the, the beginning stages of healing, supplements can be life-changing and really necessary for lots of people. Um, so I'm just wondering if there's any supplements that you really found to change your life with PCOS uh, or that you would really recommend looking into that you really love, that you saw a lot of good effects with yourself or others? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of supplements. And um, so the period repair manual has some great ideas. And then I also got some great input from, I think it's called... Uh, now I can't remember, it's called Seven or Eight Steps to Reverse Your PCOS. Yeah, Eight Steps. I have that okay. book too. It's great. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I thought there were some really great herb recommendations in there. And actually I bought a few, but I haven't tried them yet. There's one called um, Pycnogenol. Yeah. It's like pine, pine bark or something. I haven't yeah, tried it, but it's I bought it. I think it's like a bark from the south of France or something, mm. but yeah, I haven't tried it either, but so you haven't tried it either, right? No, I bought it and it was fairly expensive, so I should probably give it a try soon. And do you know what it's specifically targeted for? Mm, now I can't remember if it was like antioxidants, or, but it was definitely related to PCOS for sure. Yeah, I think it is antioxidants. I know we sell it at the supplement store I work at, mm -hmm. and it is with the antioxidants. So probably for that like inflammation and all of that, which would make sense. Okay, yeah, I've been I'm a little hesitant because I have so many food sensitivities, which also applies to herbs. And so like, I kind of have to make sure like I'm in a good stable place before I start adding supplements. Otherwise, you know, I won't know like if I'm having a reaction. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, that definitely, you can also react to herbs, of course. <laughs> um, so pick sorry, pick <laughs> anything else? <laughs> um, well, I do take the inositol. So I take the D Cairo and myo inositol. Yeah. Love those 
definitely yeah. I saw a big difference with me as well with that. Um, I, I think one supplement that I noticed helped me almost overnight was a supplement called DIM. And I don't know what the long name is. It's, um, you know, the, that's the initials D I M. I yeah. know that it comes from broccoli or cruciferous vegetables and what it has done for me is help me become less estrogen dominant and the symptoms I was having were um, really severe P PMS almost like that condition where you get depression I can't remember what it's called now um, you know like a few like a week before your period um, but that that supplement dim and it's also very expensive but it works and again like i could tell almost overnight that it just helped me with pms symptoms although i do take it throughout the whole cycle yeah i definitely found that too i took a supplement with dim and i3c and turmeric and other things that's specifically for pms and yeah i don't have bad pms but i used to have like some symptoms that were really bothering and literally like two days later, all gone. It was ridiculous. So definitely detox, detoxing excess estrogen, like it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I don't know if that's related to PCOS or not, but um, it sure has helped me. Um, and then I would just say like really like basic um, B vitamins and folate, um, the methylfolate, and then um, taking iron. Um, was something that I've done, like something I've added in like the last year or maybe six months. And that's helped. Um, it's helped me more with my thyroid and energy. Um, but because women with PCOS can have more thyroid problems, I think it's an important one to mention. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And obviously any women menstruating, it's obviously an important one. And I also think that the B vitamins and iron are the two that I usually look for when people are saying that they have problems with energy. There's definitely two that are commonly deficient. So yeah, I love that you mentioned those ones. Yeah. And it's hard with the iron because I had to really, um, I probably bought three different versions before I found a really, really low dose a supplement that wouldn't bother my stomach, um, you know, like make me feel nauseated. Um, so I think the one I take is five milligrams and like a basic, if you just search for an iron supplement, usually they're like 25 milligrams and that one makes me feel sick. So, um, but I did find a, a low one. So like five milligrams to 10 milligrams and I take it every night with food and I can tolerate that. Oh, yeah, I think that's a big complaint, too. Um, taking it with food and vitamin C is really important. Um, I know there's some liquid ones as well. There's, I don't know if you know the brand Salus. It's from a German company, and they have a really good um, veggie source, but with B vitamins and vitamin C, and it's a liquid, so it's really easy to absorb, and it doesn't cause any stomach pain, because I see a lot of women also complain from that. So, yeah, and definitely even getting a lower dose could also be helpful. Yeah, and I have tried um, a liquid one. It wasn't that brand. I think it was Gaia maybe, but I, it tasted so bad. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, got to put in some juice maybe, but yeah. or just take it as a shot, get it over with. But yeah, definitely something to look into. Well, thank you so much for all of that wonderful knowledge. I just want to talk a little bit about what you do now and how we can find you. And um, yeah, and I'll definitely put your links in the show notes, but if you just want to talk a little bit about what you do now. Sure. Thank you. And so you mentioned my blog, which is kind of, I feel like it's my home base. It's where I really spend 95% um, of my time. And that's where I put recipes and I write health articles too. And I, my whole like mission in life is to inspire women to take control over our health. It was something that I um, did not do for so many years that I, now that I am taking control of my health, I want to inspire other women to do so too. So um, my blog again is cleaneatingkitchen.com. All my recipes are gluten-free and dairy-free. So um, if you have PCOS, then hopefully they will be appropriate for you. 
And then I do have a podcast. It's changed a little bit. It's called Clean Eating for Women. It used to be um, like I would interview other women and practitioners. Um, but lately, I have been doing like really short inner um, short monologue style. So um, I'll take like um, a topic like going sugar free, and then I'll kind of talk about it with tips for like twenty minutes and. So I'm trying to make it just like a really short bite of information. Um, and um, people seem to like that. So that's another place to find me. That's awesome. I've checked out your interviews. Absolutely loved your podcast. But I haven't checked out the monologues yet. So I think that's a really great way to just get good information out there in small amounts too. Because I feel like a lot of people also seem to prefer the smaller podcasts and just like, you know, we just have so much going on. We just want the information fast. So I think that's a really good idea. And of course, your blog is amazing. Your photos are just like drool worthy every time. Um, so I definitely encourage you guys to check out her podcast. I will definitely put all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on. I definitely want you back on again to discuss more about PCOS or anything in health in general. Um, we'd definitely love to have you back on here. And thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for all your hard work. You're amazing. Thank you. Okay, take care. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really had a great time talking with Carrie. If you guys have any questions at all about the topics that we discussed, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me. Check out her stuff on her blog, her podcast. I definitely encourage you to do that. It will be all in the show notes. And I'll see you on my next episode. See ya.